Hi, welcome back to another fabulous edition of Sideshow Frasier. If you're not familiar, this is a podcast about Frasier and one other TV show from the same broadcast week in history. It's hosted by me, Steve Shackelford, and my very good dear friend, Jordan Wilson here. I got a little tickle in my throat this week, a little indigestion in my eyes. Okay, I I haven't heard of eye digestion or eye indigestion. indigestion. Eye indigestion. What did you put in your eyes, cake? Yeah, yeah, a little cake, a little, uh, a little sand. I've been using these eye drops that are like antihistamine eye drops. They cost, no joke, for a little teeny tiny little bottle, they cost like $15. They're, they used to be like, you know, prescription only, now they're over the counter. Ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever watch any of those reality shows where people, I saw this on a Love is Blind recently. Sorry, I know you listened to this for Frasier, but I'm going to immediately <laughs> divert you into Love is Blind talk. Uh, season three, I think it was the Dallas season. Oh, man. from the dallas area so it happens is that like for like people that are blind no 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 no, nothing like that it's uh yeah let's now all right we're getting into it all right <laughs> let me explain to you what love is blind is I'm so now i'm invested love is blind is a series where uh, a group of people all come onto the show at the same time they're separated into men and women and then they have a series of conversations uh-huh. uh, without seeing each other. Oh, okay, sure. Exactly. So you form an emotional connection or verbal connection. Removing you... the physical aspect and the attraction aspect. That's of right. Oh, and yeah, then yeah, at yeah. the end of a certain period of time, I think you're forced to engage, or sorry, not engage, uh, to propose to somebody. To... Without ever seeing them. Right. And it's not binding. You get like another three or four weeks to determine if you really want to go through with a wedding after you see this Uh person. Uh, But some people don't get proposed to, and it's very rough. Some people do, uh, and then they're not happy with who they see. Some people are genuinely happy, and it works out great. I'm going to have to look that up because uh, that sounds like a show that my wife would absolutely love. It's not terrible for a Sunday, just lazy burn. Very different from Frasier, um, uh, I'm sad to report. <laughs> it's more of a guilty pleasure show. Frasier's more of an intellectual show. It is. But anyway, the eye drops come back to it, because this guy uh, in one of the like you know talking heads, yeah. where they go to him in a you know testimonial thing there, or whatever, confessional, whatever they call those right, things. Right, it's right. a talking head. To sure, me. sure, sure. He puts in fake eye drops and says it, or not, he puts in eye drops to use as fake tears, and just like hopes that they won't air it. He just like kind of talks to <laughs> like the producers. He, like, just he's assuming like, they're going to edit it out. Yeah, he's like, is this cool? Is this all right? All right, let's do this again. And he puts it, he's like, I'm just. <laughs> and they're like, we're definitely I keeping all get. this, man. They're like, you are a psychopath of a human. <laughs> like, did you come on this reality show to oh. like fake your way into crying? And so, that's why I absolutely love trash TV, those guilty pleasure shows. It's so Jersey Shore, I've seen it a billion times. The Floribama Shore, rewatching oh, that, not yeah. as good. The second time around, the first time I was pretty excited about it. Second time, psh, ah, I don't really. Uh, it didn't really string me along like it did that, you know, the, when it was fresh. Is there a Florida, Georgia shores? There should be. I don't know. There's there's multiples. I saw that there was like, a, there's a bunch of shore store, like shore shows. <laughs> the shore stores. Yeah, there's a bunch of shore shows. And so they had like, I think there was one that was even like in India or, or like it was in like a, you know, like a, a different country. I believe it was India, I think. And uh, I haven't checked that one out. It's probably in Hindi, so it's pro- I probably couldn't understand it. There's uh, subtitles. I, I watch so. tons of stuff. The Korean television's outstanding. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Anyway, this week on Sideshow Frasier, we are looking at 
Frasier Season 1, Episode 4, entitled I Hate Frasier Crane. It originally aired Thursday, October 7th, 1993. And for our sideshow this week, a special, really incredible episode for you. This is The Simpsons Season 5, Episode 2, featuring Kelsey Grammer as Sideshow Bob. So fitting. This is the Cape Fear episode, so... If you haven't seen it, great. We'll try to walk you through it best you can. Uh, if you have seen it, you know just how hilarious it is. So it's look, a cl- it's classic. That's a, I mean, I was very excited when I saw that one. You know, was up next because it that's a that's a classic Simpsons episode. When I think of Sideshow Bob, I think of that episode. So yeah, I'm excited to get into that one. Interesting. I, I don't know what my you know, quintessential, I think of it first sideshow Bob episode is like what encapsulates him the most, but this one might be it. Yeah. I really love the, uh, I forget the name of it, but when he marries Selma or whatever, right. and tries to kill, I think that was before this. And then of course, you know, later on down the line, we all know the Frasier crossover when Niles comes on. <laughs> that's a very good one, but that's a different one because yeah. he's not like evil in that one. Cecil's the evil one. Right. Bob, Bob's actually legitimately well, Bob, good. Yeah, Bob one. chills out after a while. He stops trying to kill Bart yeah. so much. <laughs> Maybe he bends back. I have not kept up since the <laughs> Simpsons golden era here. Uh, so viewers this week when it aired, 24.2 million viewers. So that's cool. That's a bunch of people. Good gravy. It is. Uh, so let's get right into this one. We start in Frazier's apartment and a, another episode uh, where Frazier just starts playing the piano with Eddie staring at him. It's the same deal over and over. They love they love doing they this love that bit. Uh, yeah, they love that bit. I mean, it's a good time filler. And it's just and again, I think it's just at the beginning of the show. They're just establishing the characters. They're establishing the relationships and, and Eddie, you know, I don't know the, the I would imagine it's hard. I mean, I know Eddie, that the dog that played Eddie is probably a highly trained animal. You know, he's in he's in TV. <laughs> and I love talking about the dog and how, like, in real life, he's got to be such a badass animal because he's so highly trained. I don't think so. I mean, yes, he's a badass animal, but you know he's not fun to work with. We might have talked about this already. The dog? On. Yeah, the dog. What, does he poop on the set? Well, no, he's just a, he's a dog. It's the same reason that Marcel the monkey on you, Friends was you written ha- off. If They're you like, had we don't a dog wanna... co-worker. Yeah, what that... a pain in the rear. Really? If you're trying to get takes of a TV show on a sitcom, you're like, all right, guys, here we go. We got to get this take. No, the dog's licking himself See, exactly. again. <laughs> the dog fucked it up. God, <laughs> son of a... No, I don't think so. I think he's a perfectly oh, trained okay, animal. Sure. All right, we'll, we'll look up the history next time. We'll get you a full rundown <laughs> on if... Eddie the dog was a, quote, perfect animal. I find that hard to believe, but we shall yeah. see. Uh, so we next see Marty working on an old case called the Weeping Lotus Murder. Ooh, spooky name there. <laughs> and uh, Frazier is a smartass with him pretty quickly, and uh, Marty rattles off the line that for him this is just a hobby to work on this old case. Uh, some guys build a boat in the garage, he tries to figure out why a maniac would kill a hooker and stuff her entire body into a bowling bag. So, <laughs> interesting case. Sounds like uh, it would be a good podcast in and of itself. Absolutely. You know, people love the true crime stuff. Oh, yes. Uh, then Niall shows up and uh, said Maris had a run-in with a rude directory assistance operator. When's the last time you called directory assistance? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, yes, I'm known for that. Been a very, I guess, a, I haven't thought about that. Long time. 
long term. What is the number for directory assistance? 411? I don't know if it's still that on mobile phones, but I would imagine it is. 411. Yes. Uh, I mean, probably 2007. Oh, seven. Did yeah. you have, did you ever call time and temperature oh, back in the all day? the time. Yeah, big time and temp. All guy. the time. Yeah. And wasn't time and temp like the thing is you could, you could hit, gosh, what was time and temp? I, I don't remember the I number forget, now. I forget the number. There now. was a number and you could hit, yeah, I don't remember. I don't you could know. hit like just the first three. I think it was just three numbers, just like four, one, one. It's except you, you know, always defaultly entered the other four or yeah. whatever you wanted afterwards. I used to get a real kick out of that as a kid. It was, it was fun. You had somebody to call and yeah. talk to. That or the movie a, phone. Movie phone guy. Movie phone guy. Hello, and welcome to movie phone. Yep, there he is. There uh, he is. Creepy 900 numbers were always good. Just try them out for that free minute. Well, you still call you get. those, I, you? I still call them. That's right. You get that free minute. Oh, that's all I need. Just it's that just, one well, minute. Yeah, that one minute. It's And it's just the nostalgia of it. Because, of course, you can get your content somewhere else, you know, in today's day and age of, of you know, cell phones and yeah, the internet. It, it's not real women anymore. Correct. They just still have old tapes from the 90s that they roll back. They've got every response hey, cataloged I, for you. I get it. And that's what you're into, and you just need a minute. That's right. Just one minute. If I say... <laughs> one and done. If I say... <laughs> I don't know what I say to those women, actually. I let them talk. I listen. You know what? Because that's the way I am. I don't force my opinions on those women. I just want to hear what they have to say. Absolutely. And nobody plays those tapes anymore. So it's good to get them some plays and some, you know, those recordings. I think you can buy the box sets or something like that. Carry them around in one of those cool cassette tape uh, <laughs> briefcases that people had. I never owned one, but I saw them around. Would you have like one of those old like Toshiba, like, you know, tape players that were portable yes uh, jump bounce oh, around with old, it yeah give me, the, give me boom the boom box. box of sex tape audio oh okay from the 90s because that would be or not sex tape i'm sorry sex phone lines sex phone on line. tapes yeah. this is the responses to weird creepers calling into one nine hundred numbers in the 90s tape recorded <laughs> and then played back through a boom box while I walk around. Who's the most likely character on Frasier to call a sex phone line? Oh, Marty. All day. He's bored. He's Marty? Got nothing, he's got nothing else to do. I'll what are you talking about? Bulldog. He hangs out with Hooker. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, Bulldog is a deviant in and of himself, but Marty's got nothing to do. Huh. He talks about hookers all the time. I feel it, 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 it yeah. All the time. Okay, well, we Every should move episode. on from this subject because no, this is I getting off the rails. No, I, I think this is the best subject we've ever covered. <laughs> our show's at new highs right now. Check our, in next week when look, we change our the formatting. minute by minute ratings are through the roof That's right incredible. now. Are you kidding me? Oh my God, look at the, the, look, the look Nielsen at ratings of, 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 of radio. The Metertron is off the charts. <laughs> oh my gosh, the downloads. There they go. I can't imagine. We don't even have a Patreon. People set one up for us and they're just giving us money look now. Look at all they're that like, cash more, flowing in. More Marty Hook talk please this is incredible that's right uh it is it's something else uh daphne's around so when niall shows up after mentioning maris's rude directory assistance run in he just starts doing his creepy thing he's all over her pretty much immediately and again she still does not seem to be reciprocating this or into she just him. doesn't know she just can't tell that he's doing that it yeah. seems she's just you know pretty Obli pretty aloof yeah, yeah exactly she's just like all right yeah whatever dude uh, she says she's going to go eat alone. They all rally around and say, oh, no, let's eat like a family, which uh, brings me to the question, how many weeks has it been? And how is this scenario 
not come up between at least Martin and Daphne or Martin and Like has she just been retiring to the kitchen or her bedroom yeah, does prior she to all, this? Yeah, exactly. Does she just eat at different times than them? Marty eats the early bird or something? I don't know. I feel like it's still early. I mean, it's not like, you know, because some shows as they progress, it's like weeks later. It's like a week later or it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, but I feel like it's still within like a week or two of, of having Daphne hired on and everybody's still kind of getting to know each other, which would make sense because it's, you know, we're still getting to know the characters. We're still getting to know the show and how everything works. So, uh, I don't know. It could go either way. It doesn't see, I, I, it doesn't seem long in, you know, to answer your question. You're right. It may only be three days, which also makes all this more weird as they get through it. So what <laughs> Niles mainly came over to say is that, uh, well, sorry, they have to issue a prayer first and Eddie keeps staring. They go through that whole thing. It's the same gag again. They've already done this gag about 30 times this season already. Yes. I'm already kind of tired of it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, Eddie, we, stared, we get it. Eddie stares at Frazier. Frazier gets mad. Then that's the way the thing goes. Uh, so Niles comes over and wants to say, hey, did you see Derek Mann's column in the paper once uh, dinner gets going? Uh-huh. And of course, Frazier says no. I did not. I don't read Derek Mann. I seems like he's never heard of him. No, I don't think he has. Right. I'm pretty sure he hasn't. So you would say that Derek Mann is a complete unknown to Frazier at this time, both in name and obviously they've never met each other. He, yeah, he doesn't know what he looks like, obviously, because that's a surprise yeah, that's later true. on. But. That is true. I guess you only get the headshot in the paper. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and I think... Uh, Marty initially says, oh, Derek, man, I like that guy. He's pretty funny sometimes or whatever. (laughs) So before Niles even reveals what he wrote, you're already set up that Martin's kind of on board with this guy. Yeah, Martin likes him and thinks he says funny stuff. So the article is a very concise, uh, what I would consider a hot take. This is Derek Mann throwing out hot takes about a radio host, (laughs) and it just says, I hate Frasier Crane. That's the whole thing. There's no article. It's just a headline. I think that's the way all articles should be. Just Just no context, all headline. Well, I got news for you. That's pretty much, with the implementation of social media going on 15 years, that's pretty much all people read anymore. It's probably true. I certainly, I skim. I'm certainly, you know, I don't read in depth on the articles. I click into them. I I I, want to know. I click into it. I give it a click. I give it an impression. I want to know what the meat is because the the history has revealed to me that uh, the title is misleading quite a lot to get it's co- what is called clickbait. Correct. That's the that's the worst part about it. You're just like, well, it makes it seem like there's this huge scientific discovery, yeah. and you're like, well, not really. This was actually discovered in 1972, and nobody's actually doing anything about it. It's just somebody else read about it in a yeah. textbook, and now it's a article that we're sharing again about why the. <laughs> You know, the fish could have walked on water or, you know, I don't know. I'd click on an article that was titled, I hate Fraser Crane, 100%. Well, I was going to get into that is that from a marketing standpoint, we just established Fraser has no idea who this guy is. And now immediately we cut to KACL Studios uh, where Fraser keeps uh, getting put on hold by a caller. That's all good fun. Nothing wrong with that there. Uh, But eventually it gets into... Frazier mentioning the Derek Mann incident. So after he gets through the caller there, he says, hey, um, 
I want to really get into something about Derek Mann here. And he pulls the mic off the stand. <laughs> yeah. And so he markets for Derek Mann. He gives him airtime on his station because this guy was smart enough to drop a hot take on him. Sure. So it is a brilliant awareness strategy. Four words, I hate, insert new radio host in town here. He's got airtime. He's got all this stuff coming his way huh. now. That's an <clears throat> see. That's a hot take in and of itself, Steve. The fact that you're saying that Derek Mann knew what he was doing and knew that Frazier would react in the way that he does because Frazier's head is so bloated, and he's a bit you know full not a bit. He's very full of himself, and so Derek Mann recognizes that Frazier will definitely say something. I think he knew, like you said, it was a divisive opinion mm. one way or the other. Just like if I say I hate coleslaw, sure. which I do, sure. I think coleslaw is pure garbage from a Southern food standpoint. <sighs> I think on Asian food, it's perfect and it complements very, very well. Sure. But this Southern mayonnaise crap that keeps getting served around as coleslaw is just garbage. You like a more like a more vinegary bite to it. That's yeah, yeah. It, it needs more of a to, dressing. It, exactly, and it needs to not be a side. It needs to be something that complements the overall dish. Like I can't put this coleslaw on top of my chicken or my mashed potatoes. Oh. It's ice cold. Who puts coleslaw on mashed potatoes? That's though? what I'm saying. What the heck is it doing there? Am I just supposed to eat spoonfuls <laughs> of this garbage? Like, why is it on my chili? Yeah, I mean, like, what are, what are we doing with freaking coleslaw? I love coleslaw personally. Uh, so, but uh, he says, what trenchant criticism. Move aside, Voltaire. Step back into the shadows, H.L. Mencken. There's a new kid in town. So Frazier is all pompous for no reason, uh, giving far more words than required sure. for a guy who wrote four. Yes. And gave him way more airtime than probably necessary. Got the reaction that Derek Mann was looking for, I would imagine. Yes. One of the things he does do before he signs off is request a point-by-point -point critique of the program. Says, he didn't give me any of these things. He wrote four words, basically. And then he kind of wishes death upon the guy. He was <laughs> like, you know, our end may come sooner. I can't remember how he phrases it, yeah. but he essentially wishes an early, untimely death on the man. Jeez, that's hardcore mode, Frage. Frazier takes it personally. He does and all take the guys it very said was, I hate Frazier Crane. So Frazier's one of those guys that that is uh, you know a bit narcissistic and feels that everybody needs to like him, and when they don't, he has to make them like him. Okay, you know, does he uh, do that a lot in Cheers, or was he pretty okay? No, he was pretty chill. He was pretty chill in Cheers. Uh, Interesting. He, yeah, I mean, not chill. He was still. He still showed. Uh, you, you saw glimpses of what Frazier would become when he moved back to or moved to. Seattle or back to Seattle, I guess. Flashes of Quincy. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'll do that. I apologize. Uh, just non sequitur jokes. Uh, so then we get to Cafe Nervosa. Niles walks in again with a newspaper. And <laughs> this is one of my favorite gags that I guess continues is Niles big timing Roz and acting like he's never met her. Yeah. We're just like, oh, yeah, if I, uh, I met you before and she's like yeah yes jackass like we've met multiple times and I was thinking station. about this on, in the car on the way over like Roz is a strong personality and she doesn't take shit from people you know what I mean like she's a she's a uh, oh, she, yeah. she's a very you know independent strong strong lady and the fact that she has made multiple points to try and be nice to Niles and Niles is always a, a you know curt to her <laughs> it's 
uh, is is funny, and they play that out a lot at the beginning of the show. It is odd. We're like, why? Niles is an intelligent guy, so are they just framing him as like a classist a hole, pretty much? He, like she's too beneath her class that even though she's with his brother, yeah, I mean, she. He knows she's not like his girlfriend or something. Who does she? He thinks she is. I don't know. I've never. Kid. I've never been able to figure that out. Like, why does why what causes the beef between <laughs> between Roz and Niles? Because it's it goes on the entire show. They put they put they put up with each other, but like they razz each other. That it becomes like a big a big thing. He drops the line that's I'm far too successful to feel awkward, Oof. which is just ridiculous. Like Oof. I'm like man. What an unlikable character. Yeah, he's like, how do I know you again? I'm far too successful to remember this. But he takes such glee in showing Frazier the point-by-point critique (laughs) of his show, and some of it is about Roz, and some of it's about just Frazier's crappy programming in general. But Frazier, you know, just is okay with it. He says, you know what? Or, sorry, acts like he's okay with it. And and says that the best response is probably no response at all. And... uh, (laughs) What you know is just going to be a hard cut to now KACL where Frazier is mid-rant and <laughs> rehashing the articles talking about how it said pompous and sanctimonious and all this other stuff. And, so, and basically hitting the nail on the head of, yeah. of his personality. And the guy seems relatively eloquent. Yes. It's not like he was just like, dude sucks. Hate Fra- him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Frazier's no good because he talks about, you know, dumb brain stuff or, yeah. you know, cuckoo gaga stuff like Seemed like he had listened to the show, had thought it out pretty well. Yeah, that really turns his screws a little bit more, I think. Yeah, I mean... The fact not- that he knows he's right, I think, you know, makes it makes a, 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 an impact on Frazier's it, response. It's a valid criticism yeah. of the Frazier Crane show. Uh, you know, And I have not listened much, but... And he always said, and he said, he was like, you know, being in the public eye, I know that I'm going to have, you yeah, know, my, my haters, basically. Yeah, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, yeah, man. I've learned to live with it and accept it. No, you haven't. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it's what makes this episode great. Yeah. Is so, Derek Mann calls in. Is voiced by Joe Montaigne. Oh, really? That's right. You familiar with uh, Joe Montaigne? I know the name work? Joe Montaigne. He was a football player. No, that's right. He was a <laughs> he was a well known football player. He threw for tons of touchdowns on The Simpsons as Fat Tony. Fat Tony, that's right. Okay, yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. We both tried to immediately go into a Fat Tony. <laughs> it's fat like, Tony like impression. dueling Fat Tony. We just go. Ugh. Oh, hey, oh. Bot. hey, hey uh, you want some? You his, you want another <laughs> shot of milk? I can't do it. I can't. I do know, a fat exactly. Tony. I don't think I've got a Fat Tony in the bag. I'm sorry. I'm gonna bail out now. Pull the ripcord. <laughs> I just keep thinking of the Don Homer guy. Don would, Homer, yeah. yeah, whatever it is. Uh, fat Tony's not not that Italian. Yeah, I can't. I can't do a Fat Tony. So Joe Montano is he more of a voice actor than he is a uh, an actual on screen actor? No, I think he plays cops in a lot of stuff. Okay. Like I think he's got a good cop look. And so people so who are like much the, more familiar with this career will send us like a the janitor tweets. from Scrubs. You're either a no, cop or you're a more, baseball player. I think player. he's better known than that. I think he's, you know, been more top build than the janitor. Like people know Joe Montana when they spot him around as somebody other than like the janitor in one sitcom. But yeah. I would know him as Fat. With a name like Joe Montana, yeah. I said, look, look up his IMDb on your phone. What okay. do you got? What, what's Joe Montana? I got better? the I got the IMDb app. I said, you look. I'll talk about Frazier being an Ivy League twit. Okay. Uh, so I forget what school Frazier went to. Is he a Harvard graduate? Harvard. Okay. So, yeah. uh, you know, I didn't go to Harvard myself. 
So I would imagine there's a lot of, and I've heard Conan mention this, uh, like any school, there's a lot of very intelligent people. There's also a lot of very dumb people that just happen to get <laughs> into that school. Uh, and that doesn't mean they're not intellectually smart. It just means they're not, you know, they're not the smartest tool in the shed overall. They can be dumb in certain ways. Absolutely. Just like Frazier is about to get himself uh, into a bad pickle here. When Derek Mann challenges Frazier to a fight, and Frazier accepts the fight on air. <laughs> so again, not a smart move from Frazier. Thousands uh, of people heard that. Yeah. Yep. And we know, after watching the episode, what this guy looks like, but he's got no clue who he's up against. He could be beating up a guy in a wheelchair or something like that. Like, this could go terribly Have for Have you Frazier. ever been challenged to a fight, like a fisticuffs fight? challenged no i did get punched by a guy named santos one time in a parking garage because uh you know we drove up on uh, this uh, garage in high school just to you know, burn a little tree do what kids do and uh santos was up there in the back of a caddy trying to get down with a lady oh. and i guess we spooked her and you, you drive up there and you you know just drive up and you're like oh let's hop out here and start Barking a, that was Santos's garage at that point. Right, he owned it. He owned it. He claimed. How, it. how could you not? I mean, he's a known gang member, Santos. Wow. And so we, I didn't think much of it. I didn't know it was Santos over there in the car. So we just drove down a couple floors. We thought it was kind of just a car with people in it. Uh, drove down a couple floors, continued burning, and then man, it's about three to five minutes later, old. Santos peels down there, you know, just mad as all get out because I'm sure his girl uh, shut it off. She yeah, shut she it was down. like, I can't. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not, not getting into hook, this. I can't get into yeah, this right now. There's cars up here for the love of somebody's God. here. I yeah. can't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Somebody's here. Santos, no. So he hopped out of the car, punched me uh, instead. Of, and I think he only punched me because I was the littlest guy in the group. Uh, you know, he didn't want to take a swing at the biggest cat in the group, but it was three of us and one of him, and he was very angry. And he was a angry, angry, angry man. Oh, there he is. What do you got for Montaigne? Oh, okay. There's a G in his name. I didn't know that Montaigne had a G in it. Nya, nya. It's the nya, like lasagna. Uh, so yeah, Joe Montaigne, Criminal Minds, Baby Days Out, Baby's Day Out, Game of House of Games, Game of Bones, Game of Bones. I just made that one up. Godfather Part Three. So there, there would therein lies the origin of him doing Fat Tony because he was in The Godfather, uh, I would imagine, searching for Bobby Fischer. Yeah, yeah. so he's done. He's, he's been done in a bunch of movies, actual like movies. TV movies or like real movies where he was, you know, not. I don't know if he's ever top build or I anything don't like that. His face. Oh wait, yes I do. I know this dude. Yeah, he's just randomly in. Stuff. He play okay, so he could play. He could play like a therapist, like Frazier. He could play like a psychologist. Sure. I, I I would imagine so. I guess psychiatrist. Yeah, has he been that in a couple roles? Uh, he looks like he could have. Oh, yeah, God. he just looks like the type of dude that would be a psychiatrist. Oh, roles are so delicious. Uh, so Ugh. then they go to a cliffhanger on the commercial break. Here we come back in. The callers start calling to, into the studio, and man calls him a chicken, and yep. it's all a bunch of fun. So Frazier, and Ross has a bunch of people lined up about how he is a chicken. Yeah, exactly. You know, Ross is like, all the callers on one through six are about, you know, want to, want to tell you how chicken you are. They all love it. They're eating it up, Frage. So then we go back to Frazier's apartment. Uh, Daphne quickly starts reviewing Martin's crime scene photos there. 
Starts utilizing her brilliant psychic techniques. Yes. Or her psychic instincts. She touches the her. photos and she gets the images of, of the people. Now, she she knew that, that that woman had four brothers. She knew that she had a lot of men in her life. So she, which she, and she was a hooker. So that makes perfect sense. But she was like, no, but it's, it's because she has four brothers. And, and, and I wasn't watching. She must have exited the scene when Martin said that line earlier about the hooker. I think so. She wasn't in the room. That's so it was, that's why it was like room. remarkable that she knew this information. So right. she does have a touch of the gift. That's true. So yeah, she must have gone into the kitchen or yeah, just out of frame or mm. something like that. Interesting. She picks yeah. up on some, she picks up on some vibes. She gets some feelings for sure. And then she conflates it with a Frasier vision. Yes. Obviously he's coming down the hall and you know, enters the room. <laughs> um, Marty beaming with pride when Frazier walks in and notes that he has accepted the fight challenge. He's like, at a boy, Frazier, I've never been Proud prouder. You. Yeah. yeah, you're my boy. Uh, going back, what about you? You ever been in a fight? You've been challenged to have, a fight, a duel? I have been challenged to, fight to a duel. So when I was in the ninth grade, I was going to sneak out from my house and a buddy of mine was like all right i'm gonna steal my parents car no joke like i'm gonna take my parents car in the ninth grade and i'm gonna drive over and i'm gonna pick you up and it was like two o'clock in the morning i was like okay great and so i was getting ready and i was a good kid i didn't do this kind of stuff but i wanted to be cool and i wanted to hang out and probably go you know burn some you know burn some stuff and not like physically burn some stuff like smoke weed is what i'm talking about dumpster and, fires yeah. <laughs> i know about you and, uh, i'm not an arsonist but uh yeah and and so he 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 was late he was supposed to pick me up at like two in the morning and he was late and and so i called his house <laughs> stupidly and his sister picked up and she was i was like is 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 josh there and she was like no no he's not here and he stole our parents car we don't know where he is yes and so they figured out that i had called and they they the, his parents showed up at my house at two o'clock in the morning and rang my doorbell luckily did not wake my parents and my dumbass went and like opened the window next in the in the dining room next to the front front door and uh realized that it because i thought it was josh and was gonna sneak out and i realized it was his parents and we went through the whole thing like oh yeah no josh isn't here i don't know what you're talking about and then so he ends up getting in trouble he got really mad at me and challenged me to a fight at a birthday party at a girl's house and uh it was good like, birthday party it was a great birthday party oh, incredible that's birthday party that's good yeah cool cool light band and uh oh, okay, yeah, yeah it was cool it was really neat you tell me about the fight sorry i'll derail so everybody so he's like hey can i come can i talk to you real quick and i didn't know what was going on and i was mind you listeners i was very little i was a very short kid until about you know 10th 11th grade and this was in ninth grade so i was very small and uh hadn't really gone through puberty yet i was still a little boy at that point and he's like hey can i talk to you about something pulls me over and then all these other people come around and like form a circle and they're like kick his ass josh beat him up josh and i was like what's going on and then he got in one clean punch and because I didn't even know I was in a fight until that moment, and he got in one clean punch across my face. And then a friend of mine came in and like pulled me out, and it was real dramatic. He like pulled me out of the circle and started yelling. And then, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. And I, I'm pretty sure I waited inside until my dad came and got me. So <laughs> this this story does not leave me looking like the uh, you know like a like a cool guy, I guess. But I didn't want to fight anybody. Oh no, you're a hero. This was, I mean, literally the only time I've ever been in any kind of like actual fight other than like my brother, you know, like, uh, you know, a sibling <laughs> type thing. Yeah. Brothers will go. My kids freaking fight all the 
GD time. I would imagine so. Yeah, good gravy. Uh, so, unfortunately, Frazier reveals he doesn't plan on going through with this fight. He was like, ah, oh, well, that was all just on my radio I, he show. Said, I love, I never relate, or I, I, re, I didn't relate to him more than in the moment when he said, I, I hadn't even had lunch yet. Like, I get that. I understand. Like, you haven't, I didn't even have lunch yet. I didn't know what I was saying. Yeah, I, I cannot be held accountable just because I had no idea yeah. that... Um, I would be held to this fight. I didn't have a yogurt yet or something like that. I hadn't had turkey sandwiches yet. Yeah, I pull that one every day. What does Frazier eat for lunch? Caviar every day? Probably. Too much caviar and, uh, you know, maybe like... (laughs) Too much caviar. Too much caviar and (laughs) he eats, you know, just Chilean sea bass. That's endangered. I don't know that he should be eating that. I mean, he can, but you'd think Frazier would be more... In tune with what's going on with the environment. I don't That's a good question. Should. What do you think? I mean, do you think Frazier goes out to lunch every single day? Or does he eat lunch at home? We've talked about this because we don't know his daily schedule because of the fact that we don't know when he is on air. I think yeah, he's he on might, air in the evening. Okay, yeah. He might eat lunch at home. At home. Interesting. Because he's always getting a coffee with after the show. Is it after the show? I can't tell. Is it before the show, after the show? He's there all the damn time. If anybody knows this information better than we do, I would love to be chimed in on it because I, I, I just, I, I want to know how, how his day runs. So, because it, you know, does he go out to lunch every single day? Does he, does he, who knows? Who knows? But I think he eats endangered species mostly for lunch, eagle, bald eagle, and, and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say eating a bald eagle will get you in just as much trouble as eating that Chilean sea bass. A bald if, eagle sandwich. I would imagine a little more the bald eagle sandwich. People get pretty upset about that one. Uh, I mean, it depends on the bread, though, I guess, yeah. right? I mean, you put it on a good rye bread. What are some endangered bread species? Oh, there's none. Uh, you can ancient, make bread Are those forever. ancient grains? Wouldn't those be endangered? I think they're ancient. They've been around forever. I don't think they're endangered. They're perma herbs or grains or whatever. What kind of this is Sumerian bread? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I have no idea. I don't know what that Ezekiel Bible bread does or whatever. It's just there. And I'm like, it's always frozen. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> It's frozen. Uh, so yeah, he then Martin reveals that it's uh, Billy Crizel all over again, and that was a fifth grader who bullied Frazier for wearing a blazer with patches, and Frazier got out of the fight. Uh, he, he said it was specifically was a fifth grader. That's interesting. Yeah. Frazier stated that he was ten years old, which would put him at like third or fourth grade. So this what was an older about? kid. No, it's not. Yeah, ten years old. That's fourth grade fifth grade is it not fifth grade yeah my kid's 10 he's in fifth grade oh okay what the hell are you thinking i don't know i don't know i don't know these things yet i haven't gotten to that point with my kids yet <laughs> i can't remember that far back yeah uh, most kids are in 10 and for most of fifth grade some really? people will turn 10 at the end of fifth grade but yeah you were probably 10 for most of your fifth grade year huh interesting yeah 12 and 6 learn something new about yourself every day (laughs) learn something new about yourself every day (laughs) like what age you were when you went to certain grades (laughs) um yeah so he had a clarinet lesson and marty kind of reveals that this was a big deal on the force that people razzed him about it for a lot of a lot of years basically that on his squadron or whatever it was called and that's what's also weird is that like marty seems like a hardcore detective yeah who was like in deep investigating murder cases 
but also just like getting razzed by day-to-day cops or like i don't i don't know a detective's life now like if, maybe I've, if i've learned cruising. anything from from you know shows that have detectives in them uh then i would say that marty is one of those guys like ace ventura well ace ventura didn't work for the force i guess but he's one of those guys that comes in in civilian clothes and has a desk but he's never really there and he's you know ace what i mean and he, yeah like ace ventura. <laughs> i would say he was nothing like ace ventura I, if you're a detective i think you have an office ace or ventura something or at least a, a detective dead. steve it's in the name detective i think so it was an what in, he had flyers around town little, with a little like do, well, if you need a pet detective, pull this. I don't think a detective... Do not belittle the profession, Steve. Okay, if Martin had to do that, I apologize. If Martin had the like free guitar lessons flyer, <laughs> pull a tab thing, where it's just like, we're going to print it at the bottom of the page 20 times, and I'm going to go no. through with little scissors... I'm gonna Marty, cut. Marty was definitely like he had a badge and a gun and he you know he was on the police force he worked the streets he was a cop prior to being a detective so he worked his way up he, all right he knew what was up in the in the in the actual you know in the so how did he get shot at the end of his career he said he was he said he was getting out of the car at a convenience store I believe okay remember so, well, that's right, right. It, my bad I get in 1993 us we don't know this yet because we're only okay. on the fourth episode okay. but I'm pretty sure that's what happened it was like an armed robbery gone wrong kind of thing interesting yeah armed robbery gone wrong gone awry yeah I bet that's a series of videos from the 90s that cops rolled out yeah like that sounds armed like armed robberies yeah. gone now wrong. on three VHS tapes exactly. watch shop owners blow these guys away as they mess with the wrong guy Two for TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? How do you have so much stuff that's too hot for TV? Can't you just oh, put it on tons. cable? There was a whole section in the video store too hot for TV. I, what, what was cable or pay per view for? I guess it's like, too I mean, hot for cable, but it's still TV. I mean, what too hot for cable? Too hot for cable. I don't think that's true. Did you ever see Girls Gone Wild actually live on on cable on TV? No, because they were trying to make money, but it's no, no because it's no it worse was too than what hot. was on HBO it or was Showtime. Too Jerry Springer, but too that's hot. TV. No, it's not true. It was not too hot. They were just trying to capitalize on the limited nature of their footage of people flapping their its and bits about and other you know people committing crimes that maybe were too violent like what, what was we, too hot for tv was it the nudity or the violence i don't know maybe we should make a too hot for podcast okay i don't know if you should do that you'll get in a lot of trouble very quickly <laughs> I, I don't know what too hot for podcast is there's some terrible things out there you'll never the, know unless you try it's Steve. a wasteland of podcasts i wouldn't <laughs> listen to the worst ones fallout wasteland uh, so we go to cafe nervosa Roz is trying to take Fraser's mind off this fight. Uh, you know, she's really trying to just, hey, think about anything else. Don't worry about it. And Fraser goes out there. It's high noon. There's a big crowd. I think they mentioned a mariachi band. Yeah, there's a mariachi band yeah, there. And, all right. Yeah, and it's it turns into like a festival, like people selling food, and there's music, and there's rides yeah, and right. clowns. I like it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's like, because, you know, because it was... Bring the kitties Bring out. the kids. Watch Fraser get his ass kicked. Yeah, very a very uh, a very eventful uh, you know time for good sure. Good fight, yeah, yeah exactly. Good. I'd good watch, fight. I'd watch I watch it. I appreciate the city putting all that into it. <laughs> so the fight gets going. I guess Fraser didn't wear like athletic clothes. He looked like he was in his normal attire, normal suit. Yeah, you'd think he'd wear 
something like some sneakers that would have been funny if they put him in a squash outfit or something you know like he's like well this, is the, this is the only thing that i've got that's, that would be a his good squash day. shorts yeah exactly the real tiny shorts or something <laughs> this is my athletic wear i guess it was too early to reveal those kinds of gags yeah, yeah like yeah. no 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 just keep them straight laced and had we'll this just... happened later on that's probably they, they could have you know he would have worn his glasses his squash glasses squash glasses oh uh, excuse me uh so the police break up this fight as soon as it gets going. And, you know, you just hear the sirens, basically. You don't hear anything crazy. It's just a And I think it's Roz or somebody looks out the window. I can't remember who looks out the window and says they're breaking it up. Right. Maybe it's Niles. I, I can't recall. Uh, but Frazier comes in all excited about himself. He's like, man, did you see me? I got out there. I, I stood was, up to him. Yeah, exactly. And he did. I mean, he went out. He was ready to take his his ass. Kicking. He was going to take a beating. That's yeah, for sure. I mean, so, because because yeah. who was it? Daphne or somebody said? I guess it was no. It was Daphne. She said that you could show a movie on his back because <laughs> he was so big. Ooh, that is a nice. That's second. a good line. You could show a movie on his back. <laughs> it's like his ass has its own congressman from The Simpsons <laughs> yeah. when Homer goes full uh, full obese guy. Yes. So <laughs> I like that. You could. What was it? Tattoo a movie on his show back? a movie on show his back. Show a movie yeah. on his back. That's a pretty good line. Okay, you're gonna get beat down, Frazier. You don't have any of that going. <laughs> this guy works out, my my man. <laughs> he works out all the time. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much the end of this one. You know, you see Marty Revealy paid off the cops, um, but either way, he's proud of Frazier. Well, and Marty Frazier went out. Marty, there. you you see also, yeah, Marty Marty paid off the cops. It was a uh, somebody that he felt comfortable with obviously and he was like and, and Fraser crane doesn't take clarinet lessons anymore and the cop had no clue what he was talking about because of course that's a euphemism for you know uh being a wimp and uh you know not not fighting the the dude when he was 10 years old <laughs> the other cop was like i he just it went right over his head and he's like oh yeah you weren't in my precinct or something like right. that so it's like marty it wasn't overblew this now in it's interesting because he invited him to dukes uh right there he's like hey you know a bunch of a bunch of us are, are going to Dukes after our shift. Uh, you can join us if you want, or something along those lines. And it seemed like Marty had never been to Dukes, so that was the first introduction of his bar. Right? Didn't do you remember that? Okay, part? I do remember him getting invited. I did not realize that maybe this is the first mention of Dukes. And I the only reason it. I say that is because Marty, like, a we never see or hear Marty talking about it up until this point. But he had a face like, oh, like, oh, that sounds fun. Okay. That sounds like a nice idea. I can go and I can hang out with some cop buddies, and and of course, Dukes later becomes kind of his home base and he he goes there when he feels like he needs to get away from from the the pompous lifestyle of fraser and niles interesting so i'll have to we'll go back and look was that the first mention of dukes in any capacity on the show i don't know all right let's move on to our sideshow this is going to be a fun one this is one of my personal faves here i know Jordan is a big fan of anything Sideshow Bob related, mainly Absolutely. because it's Kelsey Grammer in The Simpsons. So yes. How can you not love it? This one also aired on Thursday, October 7th, 1993. Aired a couple hours before Frasier. Or, sorry, not a couple hours, like an hour before Frasier or something like that. This one aired on Fox. It got defeated in terms of viewership. So Frasier had 24.2 million people. Fox with The Simpsons, rolled out and got 20 million viewers. That's surprising. Yeah, people loved NBC programming, I yeah. guess. Fox was still a little more fledgling at that point, even even in 93, I guess. Huh. 
Yeah, that's those are surprising numbers because I was expecting you to say that uh, that of course the Simpsons beat them out because it's the Simpsons. But of course, I guess the Simpsons is a cartoon, an adult animated program, uh, and a lot of people are not keen on watching any adult animation whatsoever. So that's probably what it was. Yeah. Is it, maybe it was still catching on with a more I don't know just wide audience sure. I guess so 20 million viewers still a lot for Fox and sure. Thursday night and I mean the Simpsons was just a show that was created out of a late night talk show you know in the late 80s that turned into uh, you know a full syndicated adult animation program so right yeah we uh, exactly we typically dive more into the full history of the show here so yeah the Simpsons uh, started a, on the Tracy Ullman show then went over to Fox there are a bajillion Simpsons episodes that are just outstanding. And if you do want a full historical breakdown of this episode in particular, the Talking Simpsons cats do a excellent job breaking <laughs> down every they will spend two hours on just this episode and every weird reference and every historical fact about it at all. Uh but for us, The Simpsons was just like our shorthand. Like I, you know, I remember watching the commentaries growing up. Oh yeah, I, I would force Jordan to watch them. And you had just, every season on DVD. Yeah, like and, first yeah. night, I would be there to buy the. I would line up at yep. a Tower Records in two thousand two and. You've always been like a huge Simpsons fan. Exactly. So it's going to be tough. I would love to do a long form podcast on all the history of this, but other people have really covered it very well. You know, the Simpsons is kind of a phenomenon at at the junior college that I went to for like a year after high school. They had a class on the Simpsons. It was like psychology but like using the Simpsons in order to teach psychology, Mm -hmm. right? Juco or philosophy. I can't remember. It was philosophy of of the Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah, I seem to recall that. Yeah. I think it's a book still. I mean, the books don't go out of publication. I don't think I took a philosophy course when I was down in college, uh, that was all the matrix. Okay. And so it was great. What a waste of time. No, it was cool. It was like, it was using the matrix to teach, you know, philosophy or psycho philosophy. I think, I don't know. Obviously, I didn't learn too much. So, you know. No, you clearly did not. I didn't go to Harvard. Up here. I didn't yeah, go to Harvard. I said, I, I'm sure the Matrix class was cool. Every, it all depends on the teacher, probably. I don't know. I'm sure there's a million different tangents you can go down. Uh, did Sideshow Bob go to Harvard? You know, I think he did, think actually. He did. I'm pretty sure he did. Uh, this episode, though, Sideshow Bob, the plot of it, basically, like most episodes, is ultimately trying to kill Bart. He's in prison at this point, uh, but as soon as he gets released on parole, and even before that, he's, of course, trying to kill Bart Simpson. That's what he does. Yes. Uh, so on this one, we start out... Uh, oh, and I will say, Sideshow Bob has appeared on multiple episodes to this point, but this is the first one that he was on while Frazier was also on the air. So Kelsey probably recorded this much, much earlier, but... This is the first double Kelsey night on primetime TV. So Right. Do you think him. do you think that Sideshow Bob still wants to kill Krusty? Or he's just shifted all of his kill energy to Bart? I think it's an extension. He'll always want to kill Krusty in these early years until they make up. I can't remember the 
chronological timeline of that. Um, the Simpsons is a very flexible universe that so just because <laughs> yeah, he makes up with it doesn't crusty exactly. one season or one episode, he'll be right back to trying to kill him again. <laughs> uh, so I think he always wants to kill Krusty for firing him. Sure. But then Bart is now the secondary subject for thwarting yeah, for, his plan because he outsmarted him. him. That's, I think, he what got him takes sent him to off. prison. Right. It's like, I don't like being outsmarted by a 10 year old kid. Yeah. So I think that's more what it is. So yeah, he'll. He definitely wants to kill Krusty. Uh, so this is the last episode from production season four. So in animation, that's how it works. It's different than normal sitcoms, basically, where you'll have writers that are in the season four writer staff, uh-huh. and they build an episode, but sometimes it doesn't get aired until season five. So it becomes a part of season five just due to how the network determines, hey, what the order is going to be, what the production order is for one season, and then whether or not they air everything from that season. Okay. So I think most of the cats in this writer's room thought this was going to be the last episode of season four. And for many of them, it was the last episode on their contract. So they did say in several interviews, they were just throwing crap at the wall, like, and not in a bad way. They were like, let's just do all the stuff just we never thought. Out. Yeah. Exactly. Let's blow it all out. Let's try to not break the show, but yeah. do do crazy fun stuff. Sure. Um, Frazier, or sorry, Frazier, Conan stuck <laughs> around between season four and season five. As on the writing staff. Yeah. So yeah. he was there for both, but a lot of writers left, and I don't have the full list of names, but a bunch of writers that worked on this episode were not there when it aired, basically. Sure. And anybody listening, Steve's referencing Conan O'Brien, who was a staff writer for, for a few seasons on The Simpsons. Not Conan the Barbarian. Not Conan Barbarian. No. Conan the Barbarian, which is a great, uh, segue into our opening of this episode with Rainier Wolfcastle's talk show. <laughs> so they're Arnold Schwarzenegger ripoff. And his Nazi sidekick. Did you get did you catch that? He had a Nazi patch, the guy that was like Oh, okay. Everybody take a look at your at the horse. Right. Yes. <laughs> he was a full on Nazi and like Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's Rainier Wolfcastle, so I'm sure he's of Austrian descent, just like Arnold or whatever. Only the Simpsons can make that funny. Yes. The uh, the show has a band leader named Scoey, who is also Rainier Wolfcastle's partner in the McBain films. Oh, yes. So I think the character's name is Scoey in the McBain film. So I don't know how he got a character name that's also his real life name in the talk show. But I love it because yeah. it's not the McBain talk show, I don't think. I think it's the Rainier Wolfcastle talk show or something. Right. So And McBain or Rainier Wolfcastle is is a uh, a parody of Arnold Schwarzenegger for sure. Yeah, I think in like just one word movies like Rambo or something mm-hmm. like that. Just those kinds of one word super muscly, you know, action hero guy. Oh, yes. Um so Rainier is a very uh, terrible host. Uh, the audience turns on him almost immediately <laughs> after he calls them all homosexuals boo. for some reason. Yeah, they all boo him very quickly. He's not very good at hosting a talk show. Uh, Simpsons take a quick shot at Fox, which is always fun. Yeah, I, I think that's where you can see the writers being like, "Screw it, just you know." Take, oh, they take do a it shot so much too. That's the it's one of the only shows other than like Family Guy that like seriously just you know takes pot shots at Fox all the time. <laughs> and we got to Lisa getting a pin pal, who in the middle of the voiceover from the pin pal, it seems like his his country gets taken over or the government or regime takeover and the little boy is taken away. But uh, 
whoever takes him away kind of finishes off the letter for Lisa and still mails it, I guess, to keep keep it a secret. I guess he's hoping it won't make uh, world news. I don't know what he's going for there. The guy that just takes it over yeah. but still sends the pen pal letter. Yeah, it's well, that was bit. nice of him to finish up his, his you know, his yeah. his work and, and make sure that Lisa got her response. Yeah, I thought it was very thoughtful of him. <laughs> Uh, and then we see Bart get a letter, and he opens it up, and it's a letter written in blood. Yes. It says, I'm going to kill you. And then we hear the Sideshow Bob theme, which is the essentially a ripoff of the Cape Fear movies. Right, so. and I love that about this episode is that they use they use the, the Cape Fear music. Uh, Bernard Herrmann, who is also known for Psycho uh, and just a fantastic and I'm a bit of a film film uh, music buff, so Bernard Herrmann is one of the one of the all time classic film composers. Just incredible stuff, uh, and always always really paints a lot of pictures with the music. And so I love the fact that they license. I would imagine they had to have licensed that music to to use it. Nope, they uh, changed the melody just enough. So. Oh, for sure. Okay, they already did this on the Talking Simpsons podcast. So I'm sorry, but uh, this one the note goes up on the fourth note, so they were fine. So. Uh, oh, okay. So they just made a similar. I think is the Cape Fear where it goes down. Sure. Where Sideshow Bob's is. And it's just in the exact same style. Pretty much. They were just like, it's just four notes. Could have fooled me because I mean, you know, me saying that I'm a self-proclaimed film score buff. And here I am like thinking, you know, it's the they same. They might have still thing. had to like license something as the an interpolation or, yeah. or something or interpolation. But I have no I, idea what that word, but means. I think they, um, like using it as a major influence in the track or crossing the general, you know, core principles of the melody as yours and saying well it's a clear homage to this piece we use this as a clear influence so we have to credit you as a writer on this track but even though we wrote even though we wrote a new composition we basically just ripped off your composition so you're we're not licensing your work from you for the master recording but we are crediting you with a new work based on the work that we composed but. so Maybe they did that. Mm -hmm. Legal jargon. It's fun. Oh. And I'm not even that good at it. <laughs> so, uh, most of that advice was terrible. Please consult an attorney before you listen to anything on there. Um, so you, the real Cape Fear, the real Cape Fear, the original Cape Fear, uh, or uh, there's a couple of them. Yeah. Which or is there just the one in like well, 91? The, mo the movie? The movie. Is it just I, 91? I don't know. I mean, I would imagine. I, I think there's. I mean, there's the original Cape Fear, the one that they're referencing. Correct. So. When was that released? I don't know. No, I think it was early 90s, and it was a De Niro film, yeah? I don't know. I've never I seen it. I thought you saw it. You were talking about the film score and all no, this No, I just other know stuff. that it was done by Bernard Herrmann. Oh, Jesus moly. Well, I've also never seen it. Like most Simpsons references, I learned them through The Simpsons, so I will continue watching most things that way, like... You know, I'll go get Citizen Kane and watch that, but Cape Fear just kind of seems scary. I don't want to go uh, rent it to watch it for research. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want to have the fun of The Simpsons. So we get an itchy and scratchy in a vet's office. Always a pretty fun gag. A lot of the Diebart letters keep showing up, but Homer added one in here in his own writing, which is certainly a fun gag. <laughs> I like that Homer's 
all about killing Bart. What did Homer say? Oh, gosh. I think it's just I want to kill you or something or die scum or something like that. Yeah, he's like, oh, that that. one's mine. Yeah, exactly. And it's clearly written in just black ink. He (laughs) he didn't have the guts to do the whole blood thing. He's like, I love that they show Sideshow Bob in prison uh, making that letter and and Snake's laying there. And after Sideshow Bob like passes out because he's used too much, he's lost too much blood. He's like, use a pen, Sideshow Bob. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very funny gag because he just, yeah, pricks himself with the needle um, <laughs> and writes with his finger <laughs> so homer reveals the reason he sent that one is to get back at bart for tattooing wide load on his butt <laughs> oh which is just a a great little bit i um, wish my kids had the um attention to detail to tattoo anything on anyone because that's a great gag if man, you can sneak a tattoo on somebody as a kid they can't get to, that mad at you no and you'd have to roofie somebody you can't just you know covertly tattoo don't someone. roofie anyone that's against the law <laughs> please god uh, grandpa wants to call matlock to solve this crime uh, matlock I did do some research on this. Ran from 1986 to 1995. Really? So, yeah, it was a long run for Matlock. I, wow. was I was like, was this off the air by 93? Or was Bart still watching Matlock? Or sorry, Grandpa still watching it? You watched a little Matlock, didn't you? Because you, uh, you're into legal stuff and, you know, and I mean, you I got lawyers a, in the family. I caught an episode or two. What about but- Perry Mason? Yeah, I mean, that would come on and it would just scare me. So I, would I just was about to say, to why was yeah. Perry Mason's theme so scary? They wanted to scare kids and get them out of the room. This is an adult show. It for used to adults, scare sir. the pants off of me when I was a, when Gross. I was young, and because uh, it would come on after I love I would watch I love Lucy reruns at night, and then uh, I would fall asleep, and then Perry Mason would come on like midnight, and it would it was that Perry Mason theme that was you know it felt like a horror movie. Ah, I don't yeah. even remember it, but it was very scary. Just those slow strings that would build up into yeah, it felt a lot of tension. Terrible, God. We see Bart wake up uh, to the radio where Sideshow Bob is apparently sending in requests. So I guess he's still in jail or in prison. Sorry, not in jail. Um, but he's sending in requests to the radio station, which I would presume is KBBL or yeah. KBBL. Uh, so we get a bunch of fun little misdirection gags for pretty much Bart's now paranoid as hell. He thinks his mom's trying to kill him. He doesn't he know thinks, who it is. Yeah. yeah, he thinks everybody's trying to kill him because he doesn't know it's Sideshow Bob yet. Um, Marge heads into the police station to hit up Wiggum and say, all right, <laughs> somebody's mailing my kid threatening letters and not much help from Wiggum there. He basically says, you know, it's not against the law. Nothing we can do, ma'am. Yeah, which is not true at all. Yeah. Uh, if somebody's sending you threatening letters, you can go into the police. <laughs> Especially the- if they're written in blood. Yeah, that would be pretty alarming, <laughs> too. Pretty serious. If your kid has a history of trying to be killed by somebody before, you would think there's a short list of suspects on this. Not with Bart has... Simpson. He's probably made a lot of enemies. True. Actually, that's a very good point. You never know who the list Maybe of Maybe Wiggum knew that, and he was like, we're not going to spend man that's hours true. on finding all of his enemies. <laughs> so Lisa's trying to figure it out. Um, <laughs> she says, you know, who have you been making prank phone calls to for years? Who's willing to do this to you? And so she thinks Mo is the prime suspect. And so without revealing who she is, she calls in and says, all right, Mo, we know what you're doing. You got to cut it out. Exactly. The jig is up or something along those lines. 
And so I believe this is the first Mo has shit going on in the back of his bar gag ever, where you see Mo say, all right, all right, all right. And he just hangs up the phone <laughs> and he immediately goes back to his seedy back room. There's a guy sitting back there reading a newspaper. <laughs> and he's like, what does Mo have? It doesn't even look like a large establishment, but Mo has crates full of pandas. Yeah. And he said, I don't think he tells him. I think he just tells him to get out. He he's says, like, all right, no, this is over. It's over now. It's get over. out of here. Get out of here. He says, on delay to these <laughs> I pandas. Love that, he tells him, speak Spanish to the pandas. So dumb. <laughs> it's so good. So random. Uh, and then we get to the, I guess, the prison court. I've never been in parole, but I'd imagine there's a prison courtroom that they hold parole hearings in. I sure. don't think they'd take you out of jail. Um, and for some reason, we get blue-haired lawyer in here fighting for the prison system i mean i guess it is a capital murder charge i mean that bob was originally or attempted murder sorry that he was put in jail for but i i thought blue haired lawyer was just like a high-priced corporate guy that right. worked with mr burr i did not know he defended everyone i guess they're just out of character well it's just he's he's one of the only lawyers <laughs> it's just him and lionel Hutz. yeah it should have been lionel honestly, i agree but. like he should be the prison attorney because because the prison attorney is not going to be like you said a high power guy it's going to be like a court appointed lawyer you know like somebody that works for the state <laughs> yeah i don't know who handles the parole hearings like i thought it was just a board of people not attorneys like i thought it was just a board that reviews it or something right like like a judicial board board. yeah the parole board or something like no clue i didn't know it was attorneys so either way um we get the very funny the die bart die is tattooed on your chest or something along those lines or maybe it was in reference to the letters and bart says no this is just latin for the Bart, the, which makes no <laughs> sense at all. And they're like, oh. Yeah, exactly. And well, nobody that speaks German could be a bad person. Yeah, is that it? Maybe it's German. Yeah. Okay, sorry. That's what it's just it is. just German. And she's like, in the, yeah, because the, the lady's like, well, nobody that speaks German could be there a bad person. Okay. Either way, Bob granted parole. Him defending himself against the parole board and blue-haired attorney works great. Then we cut to the theater, <laughs> a smoky theater where the entire family is watching a movie. And this is a clear nod to Cape Fear. I know enough about it from watching the commentaries sure. that this is a scene from Cape Fear where I think it's De Niro who's you know stalking the other cat there, and he's just in a loud a theater being loud and obnoxious, but smoking a cigar, no doubt. I would yeah. imagine. But I, my favorite part is that we get Ernest in this, really. So <laughs> yeah. Homer gets annoyed by the cigar smoke um, and the loud laughter, but Bob really gets perturbed that Homer is laughing at Ernest. Did you make a note of the of the the name of that Ernest? Film? Give it, give it to. I did remember reading it. I did not jot it down. I, it? I didn't jot it down either. I think it was something along the lines of like Ernest. Uh, gets into a bad situation or like just something you know that's like very just generic because all of his movies are just like you know Ernest scared stupid and Ernest I watched uh, Ernest Christmas not too long ago it was pretty good Ernest saves Christmas he had to save her I have not gone back to that one I I did not like that one a ton as a kid maybe it's all right it was all right I mean it was just an Ernest movie it was a Christmas movie that I threw on for my kids thinking they would like it and I ended up watching it alone so (laughs) (laughs) it's just an Ernest movie I watched alone it was a a 38 year old man it was a little tough to digest now you know as a 38 year old man is just a little bit hard to sit through but it's tough i can imagine uh that guy was coked up the entire oh, time yes. right old jim varney and nothing but coke all the time 100 he was he was absolutely coked up but that's the only way you could uh, pull off that kind of comedy yeah he's an incredible incredible artist um 
Bob fumbles the comeback and sit on Marge telling him to stay away from his son or her son. <laughs> and we get the first grumble the of the episode there. You probably have it better than me. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, it's like a meh, meh. Yeah, I don't have it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> we see, we cut to Bob working out with tats of Bart all over his body, which... <laughs> Seems pretty creepy. Maybe that's a cape. He's got him on his knuckles. I think that is a cape fear scene probably because he's got him on his knuckles and they make sure to show that shot. I think it's right in in cape fear. It's actually like, you know, tattooed on his knuckles like die Frank or whatever. It makes sense. I hope it was Frank. Shout out to all the Frank. They do that in uh, they do that in uh, Seinfeld as well. They give uh, the same kind of reference in Seinfeld. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's the thing. We pick up our film references from pop culture TV show. It's uh, it's it's Uncle leo and it says it says jerry hello okay (laughs) all right (laughs) okay man old uncle leo we'll get to a seinfeld episode here at some point as our sideshow um (laughs) we homer eventually goes to a pi who says he can be very very persuasive (laughs) which is just one of my favorite gags like the guys like don bratka talking all low and i was like is that don bratka from one of the earlier the try and save security guard but i think it's just a similar character type i love Um, that he hires him he's like i can be very persuasive they cut to him in the bar with sideshow bob and he's like come on stop i'll be your best friend i'll be your best friend he's like oh you're he's like no oh you're mean (laughs) you're mean (laughs) it's such a dumb gag but i love it it's very good uh then we see bob kind of cruising around the neighborhood he must have bought an ice cream truck and is just uh using the loudspeaker to tell people how much uh Bart Simpson is the person that's going to die. I yes. think he says, you know, here's the list of people who won't die. Yeah. And names, names off, off yeah. everyone else except Bart's name. <laughs> Flanders, like, is, Flanders is happy to hear it. He's like, oh, all right. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <He's> like, Come <laughs> on. Um, so they have to go into witness relocation. Yes. And this kind of starts the second half of the episode here. And they renamed the Thompsons, and one of every everyone's favorite gags is the Homer Thompson thing where we do the... <laughs> You know, all right. Your name is Mr. Thompson. Uh-huh. I say, hello, Mr. Thompson. You just say hello. And we, you know, then we just cut to the agents who have been working with Homer for seemingly hours, hours and hours. <laughs> They've got coffee. Everyone's tired. It looks like the let it be studio shots at the end of the day or something like that. Like they've just been just so worn beat down. out. Yeah. And they're still working on the first line. Like, okay. You know, when I tap your foot and say, hello, Mr. Thompson, you, you just, just nod or something. I, I love the blank stare that Homer just gives. Like he just has no, just goes right through him. Just no, <laughs> nothing behind his eyes. He's like, got it. Yeah. All right. Got it. <laughs> He's <laughs> unable to retain any information. <laughs> Uh, we get the, I guess they're going to drive to the new city. Yep. They say they're going to go to terror Lake yep. is the name of the place they're going. Um, I don't know the Gilbert and Sullivan stuff that cranks in here. You big Gilbert and Sullivan person. You're no. more familiar. No, not familiar. Uh, but Bart pulls out one of those uh, cassette tape briefcases uh-huh. and said he's got the full box set of the Gilbert and Sullivan catalog. So that must be, is it the, uh, because they, it's music and they, so they put on, it did like Cinderella or no, that's Rogers and Hammerstein. Sorry. It, I get all the two. It ends. must be like, you know, like, like Broadway music because he asked them to sing, you know, the, 
the song at the end or the he asked him to do the entire play or whatever musical at the end so yes. I'm, I'm imagining it's probably the people that wrote that yes I, it definitely is um, <laughs> one of my favorite kids. <laughs> sorry i'm apologizing uh, they're driving around uh or sideshow bob is hiding under the car which i'm imagine is also a cape fear item there <laughs> so to me it's just funny where you're like sideshow bob wouldn't fit underneath that car but maybe they did it in cape fear and it was like know. a lifted truck or something but right. on homer's car you're like no way that thing's so low to the <laughs> ground no clearance. Like, exactly it's never gonna happen for bob even if um, you could find something to belt onto yeah and but one of my favorite gags is the homer for some reason anytime homer's got something in his hand it's usually going to be used as a gag there's a reason for it so he's got a cup of coffee and just sips it and says coffee's too hot (laughs) and just pours it straight down and right onto bob underneath the car which just makes no sense like he didn't wait he just was like i'll wait two minutes and this coffee will cool down he just pours the entire thing out <laughs> which the sheer logic of it just i love it to so death hilarious. it's such a good gag uh and then they do the cactus patch thing yeah. which is a, a a fun little gag too let's drive through the cactus drive it patch. yeah and he's like hey kids you want to drive through that cactus patch and they're like yay like <laughs> like it's something that they do all the time it's so dumb um, exactly like yeah so like it's a sunday activity they do Oh, so we get the new intro. They do the La Thompson. Yes. Now we get the new little fun intro. The coloring's slightly different. Once they get to Terror Lake, Bob crawls out from under the car, and then we get the rake gag. Give me the grumble again, Jordan. You got it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen to listen to that beautiful grumble. Um, similar to what Jordan just did there. I think Kelsey Grammer just recorded it once, once and yeah. they looped it. Yeah. And I believe he was watching this episode when it aired and did not understand why on earth they did this with the animation. <laughs> so I don't know the full backstory on who decided to loop it, you know, 20 some odd times or whatever. But it is one of those things where on the third time, it's not funny at all. But by like the 15th time, it's the most hilarious, hilarious thing yeah. you've ever seen. We're like, this makes no sense. But I... I love the repetition of it. It's just the absurdity of the amount of times that they do something over and over again. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it just you know beating it down and beating it into you. So good. This is uh, also when Homer gets out of the car. You notice what he's wearing. <laughs> he's What's got, he wearing? He's I forget got, his outfit. He's got, uh, he's got witness re- relocation gear. So he's got like a okay. hat and like a shirt. That's uh, the the irony of wearing a shirt that says witness relocation yes, program. Very good. I want that shirt. That's I'm going to make a shirt good. that says witness relocation program. <laughs> find one on Amazon or something because so that's good. so hilarious. Yeah. The the I did notice the U-Haul was not the little tugger. It was just like a U-Tow yeah. or something like that. I was like, oh, they don't have the little Tugger series in there yet. I think they get those at some point. Yeah, that, that becomes the 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 standard. The standard you know. brand at, at some point there. But man, the witness relocation shirt is <laughs> incredible. Uh, the, he must have stopped by the I gift shop. Think, you're like, did they give that to you or did he have it custom <laughs> printed? There, no, there's, a, a, gift, no, there's a gift, gift shop, shop or right. something. <laughs> Exit through the gift shop on that uh, museum there. It's perfect. Oh, good gravy. So, like most episodes, Marge uh, comes in and she's like, anytime they move away, individuals like either Homer loses his job or the family misses Springfield. That's oh, yeah. where they're from. They go to school there. And that's what's going on here is that you see Marge say, hey, I miss, I, are we, we sure we want to do this? I wish we could go back to our home. 
cut to grandpa who's outside and uh, <laughs> they, they didn't tell him anything. Homer's like, nah, we're good. I tied up all our loose ends. This is our new life now. And didn't tell grandpa a dang thing. I tied up all our loose ends, but I did not sell our home. Yeah, that's right. The home a- is still there. I guess that's part of the witness relocation program. You can maintain your assets or something. I, I don't I know. No idea. No clue. Um, <laughs> but they have his pills. That's one of the big reveals. Is that <laughs> they have all of his medication for some reason. So they're cruising around Terror Lake. Um, Bart sees Bob. Bob cruises up in the new relocation area. So yeah. that's no good. They Bob knows where they are yeah. because he hung out and rode along in the car. But he's still riding underneath people's cars to get around town. Okay, that that is right. That's the gag. I forgot. He's not driving his own car. He's still cruising around the back of or the bottom the of bottom, other people's the cars. The underside of people's cars. That's so just his dumb. new mode of transportation. <laughs> It's pretty smart. He, he's like a lot like Marty McFly. Yeah. You know, he just hops on the back of that Jeep on a skateboard. That's he's like, point. I got this. You know, like that's how people cruise. That's a good point. Day. I mean, you, you just, you know, you just rely on other people's resources to get, to, to get the job done. It's perfect. <laughs> so let me cut to Bob, I guess, writing out his plan. It's like, I guess this is what villains do. They write out their perfect plan for how this is all going to yeah, go. Because if there's not a paper trail, then it's not a good murder. I guess that's true. And he talks about disemboweling them or disemboweling and then removes the bow. And uh, I forget exactly how he rephrases it, but a little bit more Kelsey grammar friendly. <laughs> and uh, you see Sideshow Bob say, ah, le mot juste, which I guess means the perfect word in French and was coined by some guy in the 1700s, a French author named very, Gustave Flaubert. Very Fraser thing. Yeah, right. Do. So they must really like writing for this style of Harvard educated egghead Frazier. Well, and it's probably pretty easy for the writer staff of The Simpsons because many of them went to Harvard. That's right. They did. Uh, Then you see um, Sideshow Bob breaking into the houseboat, tying up the family, and he's uh, ready to kill Bart. He's he's come to the end of his plan here. I think, what's he going to do? Is it just a knife? He's just going to knife him to death? He's just going to knife him to death. Yeah, he's just going to cut him up. That's the thing. Nothing really elegant about this I mean, he was on a boat. Like, he could have done lots of, you know... Yeah, that's a make him walk the plank or something like that. Do something cool with the boat. Could have sang Pirates of Penzance. Okay. (laughs) Uh, We get the quick gag of Bart running back and forth and seeing alligators and then eels on the other side of the boat. (laughs) And alligators again again, because he's not that smart. So it is funny where you're like, oh, yeah, Bart's not that smart either. He's just scared (laughs) half to death. Uh, But his plan after he sees a Springfield 15 miles sign is to just... Hey, I'm going to make uh, Bob, I'm going to ask him to sing the score of the HMS Pinafore, which, <laughs> like you mentioned, is a Gilbert and Sullivan tune. Yeah. So maybe that's what we were supposed to get from the setup earlier, is that Bart is now familiar with this particular work due to the Terror Lake relocation listening session he did there. And so, uses it to his advantage. Yeah, good call. Uh, they This pretty much just ends after Bart, or Bob goes through singing just a. The entire thing. There's backdrops galore. They make the animators work their asses. Yeah, off. the 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 sets in the in the costuming keep getting more and more, you know, in depth and and detailed as the scenes go on. And and Bart's getting really into it in reading the playbill. There's a printed you know professional playbill right. for it, and he's got popcorn gag. and he he joins in as a singing with him. And then that last scene where he's in like just a full. It's not even like a thrown together like a mop. You know, he was using a mop and like a you know a rag or something earlier, and now he's got like a full-on general's outfit on. Like, very beautiful. Yeah. The costuming. Perfect I mean, costume. Very, like, very good. 
they crash into a rock, though, unfortunately. <laughs> and the ship has crashed ashore on the side of the river here. And who is waiting but the, the police force? Of course. All wearing robes for some reason. Why would that be, I wonder? And, and they say they're waiting uh, in robes because... He's very lucky they crashed next to this brothel that they were investigating. They were, just, quote, quote, investigating. There is, yeah. They were just investigating this brothel real quick. Um, <laughs> so they had guns drawn, so they were all ready. They saw the boat crash, and they saw Bob. They're ready to go. And then we get the Simpsons driving back, or sorry, driving back, and we see Grandpa has turned into a woman without his pills. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Not uh, sure what kind of affliction he has. But. Yeah, I was also wondering that. I was like, what pills are these that keeps Grandpa, or grandpa from growing? Testosterone, maybe? Grand- yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Be, yeah, anti-estrogen. I don't know what he's dealing with. <laughs> um, who knows? Uh, and that's pretty much the end of the episode. Jasper kind of wants to date Grandpa, and that's the quick little button on yeah, it there. Yeah, and <laughs> Jasper <laughs> forgot about that. He, he's uh, all in. Uh, didn't really check out any pop culture stuff this week. Uh, there was more than enough with an all Kelsey episode here. Sure. Uh, next week, check back. We'll have episode five of Frasier called uh, Here's Looking at You. And then a delightful episode of uh, Saved by the Bell, The College Years, entitled The Poker Game, which I have not reviewed in full yet, but I recall being pretty terrible when I watched it as a... Uh, eight-year-old kid i i don't know how that could possibly be i I mean it's memorable where i'm like oh god i remember that poker game episode but i have not revisited it everybody knows that saved by the bell was the pinnacle of television (laughs) it was the pinnacle of something i don't know what it was we'll (laughs) we'll find out next week on sideshow frazier are you ready Yeah.